0: Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the Back of the Range. And here's your host, Ben
1: Adelberg. And welcome to the Back of the Range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 262. Well, just as quickly as I arrived home in Florida after two weeks at Greyhawk for the national championships, I'm on the road again. And as many of you know, I've just arrived in Georgia for the Dogwood Invitational, the first big tournament of the summer of amateur golf. Tons of content coming your way this week, so make sure that you're following on social media, not just the back of the range social media channels, but also Dogwood Invitational's. Before moving on, though, we have one final episode of the college golf season to appreciate. This was a long season. I was at 11 regular season tournaments. I stopped by one regional. And as I said, spent a couple weeks out at Greyhawk for both the women's and the men's national championships. Congratulations to Rose Zhang and the women from Stanford on the clean sweep of the NCAA Division I Women's Championship. And for the men, it was freshman phenom Gordon Sargent from Vanderbilt that won the individual title in a playoff. And then Texas capped off their incredible season of ups and downs, to win the coveted national championship, which served to be a dream send-off for their seniors, Cole Hammer, Pearson, and Parker Coody. We'll discuss this a bit more later in the episode with our very special guest. So some housekeeping items to get out of the way, a huge thank you to Brian Stubbs from the Haskins Foundation for helping out on last week's episode with Zach Byers from Gardner-Webb University. If you've not listened to that episode, Go back and listen and pay attention to the very beginning. You know how I do intros to all the episodes? Well, of course you do. That's what I'm doing right now. Well, last week at Greyhawk, I caught a pretty bad cold and combined that with the heat and dryness and I completely lost my voice, like laryngitis losing your voice. And while everyone in the media center thought that was hysterical, I couldn't record the intro to the buyer's episode. So I made a call to the podcaster's bullpen. I got Stubbs to record the intro with a perfect Southern drawl, and it came out perfectly. So thank you very much, Stubbs. I also have to thank Brian for inviting me to stay in the Haskins house, along with Casey Seaman from the Annika Foundation. Wes Kerfox from the Haskins Foundation was there also. And then a late addition to the house was Ryan Frazier from Agora Golf. This was a really fun group. We watched way too many reruns of The Office. We dissected college and amateur golf and NIL every single night. It was a lot of fun. It was really special, and I hope to get an invite again next year to stay in the Haskins house. Also, huge thanks to Doug Tamaro from ASU, Rick Nixon from the NCAA, everyone at Greyhawk for all of the fantastic hospitality over the two weeks spent in the desert. The media room was incredible. We were so well taken care of. Got to spend some quality time with Lance Ringler and Adam Woodard from Golf Week. Alex Gelman, the 19-year-old, yes, 19-year-old, in charge of running social media for the ASU team. He had a whole team with him. Um, Unreal work from him all week. Finally, I was also actually able to play a little golf on this trip. Special thanks to avid back-of-the-range listener Davey Blair for the hospitality at Silverleaf. And Dave Gellman, the head pro at Mirabelle, host of the Maui Gym Intercollegiate, Um, got to play both those courses, incredible experiences, and I hope to return to the desert in the future. Now, my guest on this final episode of the 2021-2022 college golf season is the assistant coach for the national champion Texas Longhorns, John Paul Hebert. We spoke about his start in the game because, well, we do that at the back of the range, especially when the guest's father and uncle are major champions. JP had an incredible upbringing in the game, surrounded by some of the greatest legends of Texas golf. Demerit, Burke, Harmon. Imagine having those guys as the elders of your club. Well, that's what it was like for John Paul. We spoke about his experience playing at Texas in the 90s, and then obviously we transitioned into a discussion surrounding this team that won the national championship this year at Greyhawk. So make sure you're following on social media all summer long, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. A lot of episodes coming at you very fast in different time frames this summer. So again, go to thebackoftherange.com. That's where you can get all the episodes, all the links. There will be new additions to the merch shop this summer. Some very exciting announcements that I have not made. They'll be coming too. But for now, let's get to this episode with Jean-Paul. Sir, congrats. Welcome to the Back of the Range. How are you?
0: Ben, I'm doing great. Nice to be with you here on the Back of the Range. Oh, my gosh. This guy's
1: got a better voice than me. I'm I'm still recovering from from the desert. Um, I was kind of playing hurt the entire uh, week of the men's national championship. So if I sound a little bit like a, like a cold and flu commercial, you're going to need to forgive me and hopefully everyone listening can forgive me as well.
0: Well, a a week in the desert can have many effects, you know, Um, but yeah, it was hot, dry, long. I mean, it's a, it's a marathon event with lots of twists and turns and, you know, it's basically two tournaments crammed into one and, you know, you lose track of what day it is and everybody's battling and trying to survive and just keep moving forward. So it's a, it's an exhausting, it's exhausting week, but very, very thrilling and so you know we're all recovering
1: it's uh, it's nice when you can recover and uh but recover with trophies in your hand so uh that has to make uh the the hot temperatures and the uh the dryness and all the stuff that comes with playing in the desert for a week when you get to hop on a jet with a few trophies that's got to make it pretty sweet it helps it helps (laughs) most understated uh guest i think we're going to have in the history of this podcast national champion it helps all right so um one thing I want to make sure we do, I know that a lot of people are going to be asking for, for backstories and, and details and kind of hidden uh, speeches throughout this national championship that probably went on the entire week with the University of Texas. But I want to make sure listeners understand a little bit about your journey first, as we kind of joked about previously, uh, assistant coaches do a little bit more and, and bring a little bit more to the table than just perhaps handing out water and granola bars and uh, going over pin placements. So, um, let's talk a little bit about your start in the game. Uh, I mean, gosh, famous, uh, you know, famous family of golf. I mean, you're right in that category. Talk to me about how your dad got you started in the game.
0: Well, Ben, I, you know, I'm nothing in the game of golf without the people that came before me. Um, you know, my dad was, a uh, my dad and my uncle Jay and Lionel a bear, just, just a couple kids in, um, you know, Southern Louisiana, Cajun country.
1: Sure.
0: Uh, growing up in the kind of really in the 20s and 30s, and um, my dad was was coming home from a baseball game. He's a 10 year old boy, and he was a bad boy for the for the uh, one of the minor league teams there in Lafayette. And he's walking home on Fourth of July, 1933, and there was a nine hole golf course there. And, and there was a guy that yelled kind of over the, through the fence at him and said, Hey kid, we need a caddy. Would you be able to come caddy? You know, we'll pay you 50 cents. And so he kind of thought, well, heck, why not? So he goes over there, they throw a bag on his shoulder and they all tee off and he grabs the bag and he starts running. And the man he was caddying for was a guy named Earl Mouton. And Earl said, hold on, son, we don't need to run in this game. All right. See that caddy right there? Just do everything he does. We're going to go around this course twice. That'll be 18 holes, and then we'll be done. Just do everything he does. So they finished. They paid him 50 cents. He said, you know what? We're going to play again tomorrow. Come on back tomorrow. And that became his deal. That, that's how he got hooked. So that's how he and his little brother, Lionel, got into the game. They started playing golf. They got to be very, very good. Um, they, you know, they... They went on to play a little college golf. My father was a US Marine. He enlisted in the Marines. He saw action in World War II on Iwo Jima. He was probably 150 yards away from the flag raising right there on
1: yeah.
0: on on that mountain. Um he was wounded, came home, recovered, went to went to LSU. They won a national championship at at, at LSU in college golf in 1947. He went on to to have some different club jobs, eventually had a career in the game as a player. Um, Again, my father, he won seven times on the PGA Tour, won a PGA Championship in 1960, um, played two Ryder Cups, was a Ryder Cup captain in 71. And his little brother did a lot of the same things, five wins, a PGA Championship, and a Ryder Cup appearance. So I was raised by this generation of guys that grew up with nothing, and just loved the game, worked hard, ended up having a life that they could not have even imagined. I grew up playing golf, and I was raised by these guys, Jackie Burke and, and Gardner Dickinson and Dave Marr, um,
1: Texas legends. Yeah, Texas yeah. Legends.
0: All these guys, Jimmy DeMerit, Claude Harmon, you know. And so I, I went on to play college golf at the University of Texas.
1: Hey, not to cut you off, but I have to ask you. I want to ask you a question. I've done this research, and I'm trying to figure this out. There's a lot of brothers that have won on the PGA Tour. Um, well, not a lot, but I mean, it, it's not. It's it's somewhat common. It has happened before. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of uh, the Bryants. That's the first one that come to mind.
0: Um, but have
1: there has there been a brother? Have brothers ever won major championships before?
0: The only I think the only brothers that have. Um, I'm trying to think way, way back, maybe at the turn of the other century, there was okay. a Smith, like the Smith brothers that might've won a U.S. open. And then there was a, there was another family I'm not thinking about, but it's been a while. There's okay. been brothers to, to win tour events, but to win majors. Um,
1: okay. So if anyone listening has, can correct us, please send me an email or contact me on social media because I did my research. I'm trying to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I, if I'm wrong, someone's going to let me, if we're, by the way, if we're wrong, we will be, we will be informed quickly by the people listening on the back of the range. But, yeah. I so, don't mind being wrong. Oh either. no. I I, don't like I, I would wrong. like to, I would actually like to be certain that I'm right or certain that I'm wrong, <laughs> but, uh, I, I'm cool with either. But yeah. So anyway, very, very, it's very rare. We don't know if it's the only set of brothers to have won. And, uh, and of course they win the same one, which is hysterical in the span of like three years. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy. So but yeah. So uh, like you're saying, you know, Ryder Cups, uh, your your father was a, a captain in 71. And then you're raised by these. I mean, this has got to be the coolest experience. Where did you play your golf as a kid?
0: I grew up at a champions golf club in Houston. Oh, um, Not a bad place. Yeah,
1: that's not bad.
0: They've hosted, you know, a bunch of majors and a Ryder Cup and stuff like that. Um, recently, a women's US Open and Jackie Burke who's 99 years old is still there every day <laughs> and and I, and sometimes if I just need to get set straight I, I mean i'll i'll just go see him and and i mean i just walk out of there and i feel like I, he clear he helps me clear my clear the decks a little bit as he likes to say. Okay. So,
1: so can you give me an example of like a time or something that gets you off kilter where he sets you straight, whether it's a, is it a golf swing or is it just life in general?
0: No, it, it's mostly life. Okay. You know, and, and it's like, you know, he, he there was a time in my life that was when it, I was, I was pretty cluttered and I was in between jobs and, you know, girlfriend deal that wasn't working out. And, and he said, he said, You need to clear the decks. And I was like, Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I'll, cl- you know. And then he really, he literally took his arm halfway across his desk and shoved everything off of his desk onto the floor. Oh, if that didn't really get my attention. And then he said, That's what you need to do. That's I was like, awesome. Okay. And that's, and I feel like that was actually a time in my kind of a turning point in my life where I just thought, okay, I'm going to start building, I'm going to start putting some pieces together and, and I'm never going to forget that, you know? Yeah. So, but, you know, I, I played college golf at Texas, um, played with Justin Leonard for four years. Yeah. Whatever happened to that guy, right? Yeah. And that guy was really good, really yeah. good. Won back-to-back Western Amateurs, won a USAM, and NCAA championship, um, ten times in college golf. Um, he's he's doing great. I'm I'm so happy for him. He's a family guy. He's a he's a he's a real professional the way he yeah. he handles his life. And um, but I never thought I would want to be a coach playing college golf. You know. You, when you're when you're a decent college player, you you just you're not thinking about that. You want to play,
1: yeah. And you and you had a really to. solid career. I mean, you're you know, you know, uh, helped lead the team to to multiple conference titles in the Southwest Conference, and you had wins, and you had 24 top tens. I mean, you I mean, yeah, you're probably you know looking back, you're overshadowed by one of the greatest college golfers of all time in Justin Leonard. But there's no reason after your career at Texas, you wouldn't think, let's go give this a shot.
0: Yeah, right. Um, so I was a three-time All-American, um, not never really great. I was never in that Mickelson, Duval, Leonard category back then. Those were kind of like the three guys that, and, and among others, um, many other good players at the time, Warren Scuda, Manny Zerman, Brian Gay, um, I, you know, I could go on for a while, but, um, but a good player, and, and of course I went in on to play professional golf for a while. I played for eight or nine years and all over the world, and you know you think you're getting better and you, you, you are getting better, but you're not getting where you want to go. And so I kind of decided I needed to grow up a little and, um, and I ended up falling into a job with, uh, with Golf Channel and I was pro- helping to produce live tournament golf. I was the kind of like a spotting producer, kind of like a guy who was like a golf guy in a television truck full of television people. Right. Yeah. And, you, and just the guy that's kind of watching the golf and helping people around you with the timing and the flow of the live golf. Cause producing television. Is so, so difficult. You're not, you don't have TV timeouts. You don't have innings. You don't have quarters. The golf tournament is just being played television producer decides when to take a break and when to come back from break. And so it's tricky, very, very tricky. So anyway, I was doing that, having a fun, having a fun time. Meanwhile, I moved to Austin and I took a job working at the UT golf club. Um, one of the golf pros there. So I'm working full time there at the club. Meanwhile, also traveling to work some television gigs with golf channel and CBS. And, um, you know, I, I, I achieved my um, PGA class, you know, PGA of America, class A membership during that time. And I'm cruising along, you know, busier than I'd like to be. And then I'm talking to Coach Fields one day, you know, because we're out there with the team. And this is, this would be like November, 2010. And Coach Fields and I met for lunch one day. And he said, you know what I'd, I'd like, I'd like for you to be my volunteer coach. And I thought, okay, yeah sure I'll you know I'll maybe practice with the guys a couple afternoons a week, you know out at the club at a UT golf club He said, no, I want you to travel with us to our tournaments, I want you to help me with our alumni help maybe run an alumni event, and I want you to I want you to work with Cody Gribble Wow, okay Cody, Cody Gribble was a sophomore um a very, very good player, a very talented player, but he was, he was like such a social kid that I think coach fields was having a hard time really, you know, um, getting the most out of him. So I thought, okay, so now I'm working at the club, working in television, now volunteering for the team, which is a non-paying job and traveling. So I did that for three years
1: yeah, I can I'm burn the candle at, well, not both ends, about three different <laughs> ends, and that's not physically possible. Now, I, I want to ask yeah. you a question. Um, uh, you mentioned something I just wanted to get, get a little clarification on because most people are going to be listening to this and not understanding. But when you say Cody Gribble is a social kid, and that <laughs> may be, like, hurting his golf or he's not getting the most out of his game, can you elaborate on that so that I can understand that and people can understand that? Does that mean Cody?
0: C- Cody Gribble – is a guy that is the life of the party no matter where he is okay and he loved college he loved the university of texas he had a really good time in college
1: i i fully understand now
0: which is what you know you want you want guys to enjoy college sure um but you, you want them to also understand that what they're really there to do is to excel in their game golf and and and, um and by the way they're also students so that takes up a good bit of time
1: i've heard that some of them actually go to class
0: yeah yeah they're 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 actually called student athletes oh boy
1: that's a whole other other that's a whole other episode
0: so um but cody was cody was like a um such a he was like the kind of the heart and soul of our team yeah you know he was the guy that kind of helped, rec- you know, really, indirectly recruit Co- um, Jordan Spieth. You know, like he was the guy, the kid that other kids wanted to come play with. Yeah. You know, so he was a, just a very social, um, you know, dynamic personality. Um. So, can't remember where we were, but no,
1: no. So, so you're,
0: but we want. So so we're so I ha- we're hanging with them, in the in the net that next year was you know, spring 2011, then the next year, 2011, 12 is the year that Spieth and and Kramer Hickok came in and we won a national championship 2012 at Riviera. And I'm like, wow, this coaching stuff is, this is, this might be a, this might be a good fit. I don't know. Um, But it felt good, you know, And and it felt good to be a part of a school that I, that I cared about um and um then the next year Brandon Stone comes in we had another good team and then here comes you know Bo Hostlers and Scotty Schefflers and these kind of guys but in June of 2014 I was still the volunteer coach and Ryan Murphy had the opportunity to go be the women's coach the Texas women's golf coach and he became the the head coach of the women's side, and Coach Fields offered me the, the opportunity to be a full-time assistant yeah. in June of 2014. So I thought, okay, of course. So I quit the TV job. I quit the job at UT Golf Club, and I became a full-time assistant golf coach. And it's been eight years.
1: Well, that's uh, – and now you find yourself kind of coming into – this year where it's uh, where you win another national championship 10 years later, uh, we will definitely need to talk a little bit about, you know, this team that won, not just this year, like I said, but also what led up to, to this year. But I guess initially my question is, which is going to be a question that many people are going to have. What similarities and differences do you see between this 22 national championship team and the 2012 national championship team are there any similarities have you thought about that at all
0: yeah we we do go back and compare some of the better teams that we've had and this is definitely you know as good you know it has star power sure like every every great team's got to have some star power you got to have one or two studs And, and you know we have that really with the things that Cole Hammer has accomplished and Pearson Coody has accomplished. Um, and then, you know, guys, guys like Parker Cootie and Travis Vick have played great golf. They've stepped out there and won at on a big stage from time to time. You know, they haven't played you know Walker Cups and played you know multiple US opens and stuff like that. But star power and depth. And kind of a little bit of an edge. Yeah. You know, that team that we had with Spieth, Fratelli, Gribble, Julio Vegas, and Tony Hakula. I mean, you had star power, you had depth, and that depth really matters in match play. Of course. When you get five good players and you have five tough outs for your opponent. Um, but I would also say, Ben, that that 2012 team and this team, caught fire on about the third day of stroke play in the
1: championship. Interesting. Interesting.
0: It's like we caught fire, you know, we kind of hit stride finally on about the third day and that carried into the fourth day and that carried into match play. And I don't know if there's a recipe to try to make that happen, but if there's some way you can kind of hit stride in about the middle of this long week, I think it can help carry you through.
1: Well, it, it obviously did. And, you know, I went back because we're, we're obviously talking about this year's team, but it doesn't start this year. It starts, I mean, I guess the story of this team really kind of started at the end of that 2019 season. Um, you know, Cole and Pearson and Parker were freshmen and, you know, really had a good year, get all the way to the, obviously, get all the way to the finals, lose against Stanford, but. I would think at that time, everyone was thinking, okay, this, this could be something really special with this team, because look what they did in their freshman year. And and I think Cole at the time was probably the number one ranked amateur in the world. He had a good season where he finished first three times. I, I know he lost a couple in a playoff, but you know he, he won regionals, or, or the team won regionals. So really a good freshman season. And I'm not going to take everyone back through the, the entire four years, but you know 1920 is really i guess you could probably say was picking up right where you left off you win the east lake cup in the fall uh, you know second in hawaii you win prestige second at southern highlands that's where parker gets his individual win which gets him a PGA tour exemption and then covid completely cancels the season was that really kind of uh, i mean were, was the team and you and coach fields and everyone around texas golf I know Pepperdine was one of those teams that kind of got affected by it because they had the Gala. They were really kind of I guess you two were really the two top teams that were thinking, man, we we really had a chance here and it just got taken away from us.
0: Well, we totally felt that way. We you know, we're trying to approach every spring and you know, as an opportunity to contend and you know, try to try to really peak in March and April and and leading into postseason. But yeah, that spring of 2020 Cole Pearson and Parker Cootie, Travis Vick was a freshman. Spencer Sussman was kind of our senior at the time. Yeah. yeah. And we were, yeah, it it all shut down right there on that Friday, March 13th. We were, we were getting ready to to go to the Floridian to play and to play and, And then it all just came shutting down, but we were ranked number four at that time with momentum. And, and it was, you know, it was just kind of tough, but that was just the way it was. And what are you going to do? You're going to, you you just got to keep trying to keep going, and keep managing. And, um, but the distractions that come with that came with COVID and affected everybody differently, you know, um, we did, because you don't know what's going on you know you're, you remember you're you don't you don't really know how long this is gonna so you're preparing for the unknown all the time right you know and that's what's so so difficult about it it's like what's gonna happen to the <laughs> the game what's gonna happen to the to the country, what are, what kind of life are we going to be living here in another few years? Who knows what's going right. on? Yeah, it was but, a very
1: very odd and scary time, and and focusing and caring about a golf about your golf just seemed, yeah, it just didn't seem very important. But again, you had to try and care about it and try and work on your game.
0: Yeah, you know, and then the next year, two thousand whatever, twenty twenty one, we kind of pieced together a, a a schedule. Some conferences were playing, others weren't. Um, yeah, you played, ended up having a,
1: yeah, you played almost everything in the state of Texas. I think you had like the NIT in Arizona and I think regionals, you were somewhere else, but I think every single tournament you played in Texas.
0: Yeah. Um, meanwhile, um, Cole hammer and Pearson cootie were, um, Walker cup members. Yeah. And the Walker cup happened to be played in the spring, which was not convenient for (laughs) you know for college golf and we happen to have two guys on that team you know so um but they but they were you know they had earned the opportunity to play in these events such as the walker cup and um the byron nelson and you know whatever uh, you you know this is stuff that they've earned and coach fields and i as much as we want to win at texas we want we want our guys to be their best. You know, we want them to develop. We want them to thrive. We want them to be their own guys and be their best. So it was just a difficult situation all around. And, and they were, they were just exhausted. They played a, you know, conference championship at Prairie Dunes, which is a real, it's a real dog fight to play there It's 72 holes. Then they go straight to the Walker Cup, which is a, an exhausting, long week, emotional week. Then straight to the Byron Nelson in Dallas. Then straight to regionals. We played in in Noblesville, in, Indiana. Indiana, yeah. But you guys won. And we won. Um, and then, you know, that time between regionals and nationals is so quick. It's about a five-day window that you're just – all you're doing is – prepping for nationals you're not even really taking any time off
1: right
0: and so by the time we got to gray hawk a course that we thought we knew but we really didn't know we just um and this is last year a year ago right um we were just you guys I think are all at, around you know, as, as yeah we were we were fl- we were flat um and it's a tournament you really kind of need to be rested to play in you know and and i think as coaches we weren't as prepared as we could have been um we we, it was just a it was just one of those weeks where things just didn't go our way yeah um so we you know a year later we took all of that learned from it prepared a lot better came in a lot fresher rested we had a much better week
1: now i I you mentioned learning, not knowing the course as well. You know, a lot of people talk to me, uh, you know, whether it's players or coaches, they're like, you know, what are your thoughts on this course? And and I've said, at least for the men's side, you know, one of the things that I've said is that, look, everyone hits it a mile. And I think it will take driver out of your hands on some of these par fours. And we saw that a lot of guys just hitting two, three, four irons off of par fours. And, and that's something I think you can quickly get acclimated to. But one of the things that I noticed was there – you know, distance control with your irons, especially short irons, when you have numbers like, for example, 165 to the pin, and then maybe you're trying to land at 158 and trying to mentally prepare yourself for the fact that, yes, it's like an 85% wedge, you know, hitting a, a controlled wedge shot where you stand over it and thinking because the number is so crazy, I need to jump on this. That was my View of of what everyone across the board had to quickly uh, understand because like, you know, you coming out of Texas or Vanderbilt coming out of Tennessee, you know, uh, it's just, it's not normal uh, at your home courses or your home tournaments or your regular season tournaments. What was, in your view, the quickest thing that these guys had to get under their belt in order to succeed at Greyhawk?
0: We're talking about we're talking about greyhawk right here and it is a it's kind of a combination of a desert course and a mountain course in other words you have the you've got the desert um you know stuff on the side sure with the cactus and the dirt and the, um you know so visually uh, sometimes a desert, a desert course is kind of tough off the tee because you're you know, you don't, you're not – you don't see, see the definition maybe you're used to seeing and you know that if you hit it offline,
1: you're – Right, you have unplayable on, on You might sides. be straddling a cactus somewhere.
0: Right. So um, – but also putting is, is a big deal out there. Um, and understanding or having a feel for that mountain pull and factoring that in all the time. It's kind of like what you're saying with distances. The ball the is going to go further. And you know, it's set up, it's set up like a like a major championship. It's set up like US Salmon or US Open, thick rough, firm, fast greens. I mean, they're pushing the pin pin placements to the edge. And and that's without any wind. You get some wind coming up, and and you know, another thing that we really I think what everybody was hit in the face with last year was the difference between morning a morning round and an afternoon round at Greyhawk. Yeah And I mean we're talking probably two to three shots harder in the afternoon per round. Um, it's just the wind picks up it gets hotter, balls going further. greens get a little bit more baked And so it was crucial to have to be able to get into that third round, that third day three to play in the morning. In the top 15 teams. Yep. Yep. Otherwise, you're you're trying to play your way back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You had to be really set up after two rounds of stroke play. You had to be in the very close to the top to make sure you're playing in the morning on day three and you weren't chasing. Because if you were chasing after day two, forget about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But, but Greyhawk is a golf course that was built in the mid 90s. You know, and this is what we deal with a lot in today's game. You're playing a golf course that was built in the mid 90s. For mid 90s ball, mid 90s equipment, mid 90s golf. Right. Right. It's not built for 320 yard drives. It was nope. built for 275, 280 yard tee shots, you know, in playing and regulation. Now, now you take today's equipment, today's ball, and the course setup is, is different. It's not, you know, it's a par 70. Yeah, that's they've got a, some yeah. some you know some back tees some cross bunkers so now you're now you're, now you're playing now you're playing the setup so you, so now you're you're not playing a golf course the way it was originally designed to be played you're playing the golf course the way it is set up now to be played so you're, who knows what club you may hit off the tee you may hit a lot of irons you may hit there may be some holes where it's worth pushing it up there with a driver, but um, th- there's a lot, there's a lot to know. There's a lot to understand, you know, about playing a course like that.
1: Yeah. I, I thought that it was uh, really kind of remarkable just how you have to kind of bring all this information together in order to succeed out there. It can't just be just another week. I mean obviously it's the national championship but it's at such a unique venue there's so much that goes into it so we talked about the success of you know your your 2012 national championship team and everything that's led up to this season so you know 1920 could have been a great season where they you know avenge their their loss in the finals against Stanford covid shuts that down 2021 20, is really you know, by all, uh, just a disappointing year, just because of a lot of different reasons, a lot of different factors, but the end result is, is very disappointing, not even to make match player, even the top 15. And then we come to this year. And like I said, you know, you got pressure on this team. It's really the last year for, for Hammer and the Cooties. And, you know, before I talk about maybe, you know, one of the poignant moments of the year, which was at Merido Collegiate, you know, this team is, Again, these three guys never won conference, never won nationals, a couple of regional wins, but really, when you look at the fact that, you know, Cole and Pearson are former number, number one amateurs in the world, both have won West uh, Western amateurs, both have been on multiple, or both have played in the Walker Cup. You know, you throw in Parker, you throw in Travis and Mason Nome. You know, great individually, but this team really has not achieved their potential and kind of, I, I guess, have been a disappointment, basically, not to not to dump on them, but I'm just kind of saying like coming into this year, you're thinking, wow, we really haven't achieved as much as we thought.
0: Well, no, you're, you're right. As a team.
1: Yeah. As a team,
0: you know, we, we had not achieved as, as, as much as we thought we could have. Um, You know, when um, when we lost Scotty Scheffler and Doug Gim in 2018 we're like, man, that's going to be tough to replace. So we have this, a really nice class come in: Cole Hammer, Pearson Cootie, Parker Cootie, and these kids just played free. Yeah, they, they were freshmen. They just let it fly. They were playing great, no for no expectation, just letting it go. And that, you know, that. You know sometimes and then playing with that level of expectation can can kind of, kind of be tough because now you have now now you have to deal with your own success a little bit yeah um but through covid through um some injuries here and there uh through viruses you know yeah everything that was going on with the, with people and
1: oh and i'm um, and i'm not i'm not trying to put it all on those three guys i'm just saying that that the combination of everything involved with covid with with outside distractions, with everything you get to the point where like all of a sudden these kids now they're seniors which felt like it was a blink of an eye like wait a minute um you know and they're not taking a covid year because they're set up for the next level and you're like oh this is it
0: right and they all came to texas Wanting to win a national championship, you know, that's, that's like part of the DNA when you, when you at Texas, you know, it's like you, you want to win a championship and yeah. And they all believed, I mean, everybody on our team, coaches included has always believed that if, if it all could come together, that we would, we would be the best. We would be at least one of the very best teams in college golf and be able to win and, and, and accomplish anything you know but a game like golf you you're, you're never owed anything you you never you never can really expect you know you, you just don't ever know there's no guarantees and yeah but this year things kind of came together towards the end well um, yeah
1: well at the the beginning of this year um, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, this this one and, and we have and I have to give a, a shout out to our mutual friend, uh, Lamar Haynes, who I mean, uh, gosh, um, where do we, we're, we're not going to go down a rabbit hole of talking about Lamar in this podcast because uh, we, <laughs> we, we would derail uh, and quickly. Uh, but, you know, Merido Collegiate, you know, really one of the first major tournaments of the season in the fall very difficult golf course televised on golf channel and um you know you guys are are leading and then it kind of falls apart at the end with a few bogeys and your rival oklahoma wins this this tournament and you know while they're getting presented with the trophy on tv lamar taps me on the shoulder and says look over there and <laughs> there's this picture that i've shown you that i've posted on instagram people can find it um it's of you guys out on the 12th fairway about at least 150, 200 yards away from everyone. And it's just you, Coach Fields, Richie Coughlin, who is the, the volunteer assistant now, and the team, and there's nobody else around. And I have multiple frames of this picture. Um, I didn't post the one where I could tell that Coach Fields is talking at a very high volume. But I showed this picture to you after, after the team won. And I said, "Hey, here, here's where everything started." And you're like, "Oh gosh, the ripping!" So uh, <laughs> we're we're calling this moment the ripping. So since since everything ended on a high note, bring me back down to one of probably the low the low points of the season.
0: <laughs> well, I remember with the like because Parker was the last guy to come through, and he signed his scorecard and coached. A lot of times he'll, he'll talk to the team, yeah. talk to us right after we finish. You yeah, know, quick
1: just, little huddle and, you know, hey, good week. And he just
0: said, you know, he just said, guys, come on over here. And he was walking away and he just kept walking, <laughs> kept walking. <laughs> and he kept looking back to make sure everybody was following him. Right. But he was clearly going to walk, not just behind the green, not just behind the tree. Like we were going to walk a significant way. Away from the clubhouse.
1: It, it was 200. I mean, I like, like just, I have, luckily, I have this a zoom lens on me and I'm, I'm at full yeah. zoom on this camera. And, yeah. uh, but yeah, you were 200, you were at least 200 yards away.
0: And yeah. And, and he just, it, it all just came out. I mean, it had just, been just whatever frustration had been, had been building for a year plus just finally all came out, you know. About just laying into these guys about, you know, how good they are and why they should be, you know, why we shouldn't be finishing second anymore, you know, and, and at the time, you know, finishing second to Oklahoma again was getting pretty old yeah. and, and, and they're a heck of a team. Yeah, but with it's a two co- really but it's, good coaches.
1: Yeah, but it's a conference rival and it's like yeah. okay, losing to Pepperdine or losing to Vanderbilt, that's one thing. But to constantly yes. be reminded, yeah, no, I get it. I get it.
0: Yeah, and it's like, guys, we have got to finish. You know, you're not trusting. You're not believing. You're not trusting. You're not letting it go. You know, you're not you're not finishing. And then kind of everybody around in the circle. You know, and then I think it was maybe that moment where, you know, maybe everybody believed one little degree more that Coach Fields really did not only love these guys, but really believe in them and expect the best out of them, you know, and that this is – I mean, when you're playing for Texas, I mean, we can – we need to be – We need to be believing in ourselves and be our best. And, um, you know, finishing second is not acceptable. We're not going to be happy. We're not going to go in there and have lunch and, um, you know, share some war stories and, you know, laugh, laugh and move on. It's like, no, look, this, this is not acceptable. This is the university of Texas and you guys are great players and you need to understand that. And, you know, we tell our players all the time because we really mean it. It's like their family, you know, they're, they're like, I mean, we love these guys. We truly love them. And it's hard not to tear up sometimes when you, when you, when you're in those, those little groups, but, um, it, it matters, You know, all this stuff that we're doing, it's just college golf,
1: right? Man, it it really matters. too. And the other thing is they're probably not thinking about the fact that, and you're, you're coming from an area of experience You're like, you know, you were a runner up at the national championship in 94. And you know what that's like five, 10, 15, 20 years later, where you're like, man, we missed an opportunity there. And they're not going to understand that until it's over. And you're like, guys, you're going to wake up one day and realize, man, we 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 finished second. We we didn't fulfill our, our potential. Were there any guys in the circle there that spoke up, or was it just it w- was it just a coach? Was it just Coach Fields?
0: It was mostly Coach Fields. Yeah. Um. You know, and I and I I kind of just chimed in with just saying, guys, you know, could, w- you guys have a chance to be a team that people to that people will talk about,
1: yeah,
0: you know, it, it, because people have conversations about the great college teams in the past. And there's, there's debate and people love to talk about that. Yeah. Like talk about what are some of the best teams ever. And we kind of felt like this team had a chance to be in that conversation. Um, and, and, you know, we had a similar conversation after conference this year, big 12 conference this year. Yeah. At Whispering Pines. You know, we wanted to win. <laughs> Man, we wanted to win that tournament so bad. Yeah. You know, that's a championship to us. And we, you know, we kind of made a f- couple bogeys down the stretch. Not didn't play poorly, but just didn't close it out and we lost by 3 um and finished 3rd in a tough conference. And it was the same same deal. We got done and Parker said, you know, Parker you know, we kind of t- said a few things and Parker said, kind of stepped out and he said, eventually it's all going to be fine. The putts are going to go in. Things are going to go our way. We're going to hit the shots. We're going to make the putts and things are going to go our way. You know, so he believed, he believed it. He and, and sometimes that's the way golf is. Sometimes things just don't go your way. And then sometimes they do. You know, if you look, you know, sometimes when you win, you might've chipped in or the other team, just your opponent, maybe just missed a couple putts. Um, and that's golf.
1: Well, I mean, you mentioned this conference and, and again, at this point, the team had, I mean, these guys had never won a conference. I mean, they won a couple of regionals, but never, never still had, had never won the big 12 conference. Um, you know, you have that this moment at Merido and it kind of re-energizes the guys. I know you win the Big Twelve match play. And I'm guessing you're thinking, okay, we had a we had a turnaround moment in the fall. All systems go. When we when these guys come back from break, it's just we're just gonna open the floodgates and just let it all hang out. And then Pearson and Parker obviously break their arms in this freak accident. Um, I talked to Coach Fields about that on the podcast and and just What was your reaction when this thing happened? Are you thinking like, I mean, what else can, can happen to this team? You know, what else are they going to throw in front of us? That's going to be a stumbling block. (laughs) I mean, I mean, you can laugh about it now, but at the time I'm guessing it's just going to be like, like, do we just give up? Like, what are we doing here? Like, how, how how do we recover from this thing?
0: You know, it's, it's a little weird. Um, when, when they, when we found out they had both broken and their arms, that they had had a, a little fracture in the same place, in the same arm, and they're twin brothers. You couldn't help but just feel like, okay, this is a little weird. Sure. And almost just feel, just accept like, you know what, there, it, it was just hard to be, hard for people to be upset about it or hard to be angry because it was just some, one of those funky things that happens in life. Right. Like, Wow. And then, and sometimes you wonder, well, maybe there's a, maybe there's a, a greater purpose going on here that we don't even know about. But I think that the silver lining in something like that is that you know maybe it's life's way of just slowing you down a little bit, like hundred percent. Take a break.
1: Yeah,
0: you're 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 pushing. You know, you're you're going too fast. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> and. For whatever reason, Parker has, has is has been swinging the club this spring, post injury, better than he ever has. Like, it's like it's it's like his tempo, his rhythm is different and better. Um, and these are and these are tough kids. These 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 Cootie brothers are are tough kids. They're they're built differently. You know, they they attack life anyway. So, you know, they might get they might injure himself like that, but they're gonna recover from it faster than anybody. Um and I don't I don't know. It's it's weird. I don't know how how do you I don't even know how that could even possibly happen. But yeah it did.
1: Well and I liked I liked your your what you just mentioned about like taking a break. And you know you look at a lot of these teams and, and and you know, the landscape of college golf has changed so dramatically with PGA tour, U and NIL and, and, you know, there's more exemptions for corn ferry and PGA tour events that are, that are given out to players these days. And you have, I mean, you got, you have Cole and Pearson, you have Parker getting one for Southern Highlands a couple of years previously. You have Travis Bick, who's, who makes it to the semis at the USAM previously. You have a lot of attention on this team and for them to try and, and stay focused on college golf when there's so, you know, you have agents, you have the club, you have all the outside stuff that really, I'm guessing you at Tech, you never had to worry about stuff like this. I mean, maybe Justin Leonard knew a little bit about that, but for the most part, you have a team that there's constant distractions and it's. Truly incredible that they actually pulled this off, considering all the things that are outside pushing against these guys. Like, how do you and Coach Fields kind of keep them focused on like look, guys, I know there's a lot of outside stuff, but that's all gonna happen in the future. This is really you got you know, they come back from injury and you have um, you know, you you have hold on one we'll second, I lost my You know, you you have you know you win at the Western in collegiate, you win at Haskins, really at Haskins where it all kind of took off. But how do you guys keep them focused, knowing that look, we have two three months here, we need everything
0: very carefully.
1: Okay, and I (laughs) want I want you to dig into that because it's interesting. You can't tell them, like you said, you're really proud of them. You want them to enjoy their individual success, but you also know that if they miss this part of their life and their amateur career. You know that you have a responsibility to make sure they don't look back in five years saying, "Oh man, like I I just missed that."
0: Yeah, yeah. That that's you know you know as you as you get older and as you start to earn more opportunities, um, you also are earning more responsibilities, and that's a really good thing. And and these guys, you know, understand that you know maybe we can help them understand that. Look, when you turn professional and you're playing golf. Yeah. You're not going to be in school anymore, but you're going to have, you're going to have real life distractions. You're going to have a home. You may have a family. You're, you may have, you know, you're going to have the responsibilities. Um, you're going to, you're going to be traveling. You're going to be taking care of your business, um, your finances, your, you know, everything. And so you're going to have distractions, Um, and that's part, it's just the next level of being a professional, you know, being a golfer, being a player, um, having, learning how to balance all of the distractions, all the noise, you know, I think of Tiger Woods, um, whenever, whenever there's, whenever things just get really loud in in your life. Right. And about how he was so good at when he got to the first tee, that was like, that was like his space. That was his calm. That was his, uh, his place of peace where he got to the first tee. He had a couple minutes before his actual tee time. And he just, he just shut the world out and was just focused on him, his clubs, the golf course. And it was like a, that was his, his time away where he wasn't distracted. Um, very, very difficult these days with all the distractions with social media, with you know, all the things that could potentially be coming through that cell phone, which is just an anxiety machine.
1: Sure.
0: Um, there's you know, parents, um, the expectations may be from parents. Um, and then you throw in, you know, who knows, you throw in your, your girlfriends, you throw in your, um, you know, what the all the what ifs all the consequences of man if i if i finish top 5 here you know how many points am i going to earn and what does that do to my just if you if they're just focused on playing their best playing good golf everything else it's it's so simple but you know in time i think it gets easier it gets easier to just be able to mentally just calm down a little bit and just play good golf.
1: Well, um, I, I really appreciate the backstory and I'm glad we covered so much of this kind of leading into this national championship of this year. And, you know, you guys, based on your, your knowledge and your experience of the previous year, you, you move through stroke play, uh, you know, relatively comfortably and you get into match play and you kind of get to this point where, Every round, whether it's the obviously the the fourth round of stroke play where you have to get into the top eight and you know everything that moved on since then, you know, quarters, semis, and the finals, every single round became potentially the final round for the Cooties and for Cole Hammer. Um what did you have? Was there anyone that stood up? Was there anything in the team room? How did you kind of approach the final round of stroke play? I'm just wondering if a a leader emerged this w- in this week.
0: No, not 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 really. I think it was a f- it was all five guys. Okay. Honestly, that believed, you know, we had a good third round. We had a really good third round of stroke play that put us in a more comfortable position heading into the fourth round. Yeah. And I think the feeling in the team was you know, just keep going. You know, coach Fields kind of mentioned a couple times just you guys played free today and that feeling of just playing free and letting it go and just playing. And I think they felt like they, after day three, they had a little wind at their back and day four is crucial. But when you feel like you just, you just had a good day, like let's have another good day. You know, you kind of feel like you're going to have another good day. And that fourth round where we shot three under as a team in the afternoon in in a pretty decent breeze was just an exceptional round of golf. I mean, that might have been one of the top five days of a top five day, you know, team rounds that we've, Coach and I have been a part of.
1: Yeah. Well, um, it, it gets you into match play. You face Oklahoma State in the quarters, which is, again, it's like... I mean, no real shock. I mean, those top eight teams that made match play, it really was, I mean, maybe there's one or two that could have been in there, but you have basically the top eight teams all season long. It was really great for college golf that at least from, from my perspective, I was like, that's who needs to be there. And, you know, you go up against Oklahoma State and uh, you know, you, you, yeah. You, I mean, gosh, are you kidding me? Exa- here I, we go. Right.
0: Oklahoma state right out of the gate, right out of the gate. It's like, okay. <laughs>
1: you know, like, I guess we're at the national championship now. And <laughs> you know, you have, you have, you know, Parker beats Bo Jin, Vic loses to Stark. Cole takes care of Amon Gupta Pearson loses to Chakar. That's, that's a great match right there. I mean, you have two guys that are that are just at the, at the very, very top. And then Mason Nome uh, takes care of Bumgarner for the clinching point. And you know, not to over, to to move past that, but I want to I want to move on to the semis where, um, you're facing arguably the best team of the spring in in in, uh, in Vanderbilt, and yeah, you're, you, what were your thoughts going into the semis? You have a quick turnaround, but I guess what are your thoughts going into match play, and then we'll talk about the, national, the about the final match.
0: Well, you know, it's what's so tough about winning this event is is you play this 70 hole 72 hole championship to earn your way into match play. And then you get to match play and it's like, you have to just totally reset yeah, and shift gears and understand it's a completely new tournament now. And then you're taking one match at a time and to play Oklahoma state is, I mean, I know, I know the rivalry that's there. Like they are, they are the team that, you know, that we probably want to beat more than anyone. And probably vice versa, but there's a lot of respect there too. Oh yeah, you know there's a lot of respect for that Oklahoma State program, and you know, but we but but there's no team you want to beat more because of that too. Um, so we we get by them, and then we're playing Vanderbilt, and I and sometimes after an emotional win, you know, you get you you, you have this emotional win against oklahoma state well now you got to get you got to get back down to back down to ground level and get ready to play (laughs) vanderbilt and you know in the matchups in the selection kind of the, the little process we go through that's a that's like a game within the whole game of this tournament it's not like you just line up your players one through five and say let's go play it's it's like there's a defer or posting a player and then we're going to put a player. There's like this, like a chess game going on, you know, inside of a closed room (laughs) to just arrange these matches. And, and I thought that the, the matchups worked out very, very well in our favor. Um, And maybe it's the same matchups that they wanted, but it's the same matchups that we wanted. And, they have two really standout freshmen or two young guys, Cole Sherwood's a sophomore, but yeah. Gordon Sargent is just a standout freshman, great player. And for them to to have to go against, you know, two seasoned guys and, um, you know, Pearson and Cole, right? I think was, I think was tough. Um, but, but, but man, what a team they have. I mean, and, and our guys said it when they walked off and like, that's a good team right there. Yeah. Yeah. And and Scott Limbaugh and Gator Todd, I mean, those guys have a lot of experience and plenty of postseasons. Yeah. And
1: I spent a lot of time with Vanderbilt this year. And and if they're not the favorite for next year, I don't know
0: who is. So. Right. Oh yeah. Great team. They got it. They had a great six man just hanging around. Oh
1: there. yeah. JVP just sitting there and he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's your six guy. They, All got right, a, well.
0: they got a rock star sitting over there on the sideline. Yeah. So, um, um But getting into the finals, you know, it's like now, okay, let's take a breath. And now we're going to play Arizona State in their backyard, a desert team.
1: Well, I think that that actually probably, if you could face a team that maybe it works in your favor, is there any other team that's facing as much pressure as them other than you?
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, you're probably right
1: so you have- yeah, yeah
0: it's not easy it's not easy playing at home um well, but have, we played yeah. at we lost in the finals at Eugene against Oregon in 2016 um and that home that home crowd played a large role in their, in their you know
1: yeah
0: their victory um but and you know when we played we've played gosh we've played in we played in, at the Blessings against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, and they had a lot of fans that had just driven over, you know, from Oklahoma. So we knew the crowd. You know, the crowd factor is going to be there. Um, team like that having having a feel for that course, having a feel for just desert golf in general. I mean, it, you never it, you yeah. knew it was going to be good. You knew you were going to have your hands full.
1: Well, the pairing, the matchups for, for that round you had, and, and probably, yeah, I guess this is in the right order. You had uh, Parker Cootie going against James Leal. You have Mason Anderson um, going against Cole Hammer, Pearson Cootie against uh, Preston Summerhaze, Mason Gnome against uh, uh, David Pooge, and then Travis uh, Vick against Sisk in the anchor match. And me looking at these pairings, hmm. I actually thought that you did not get the the advantageous pairings that I think Arizona State was set up better than you were, and my reason for that was what you just mentioned in the semis with young guys going against Cole Hammer and Pearson Cootie. You know, Mason actually beat Cole in during their freshman years in a in a playoff. Um, Mason did. I don't think was intimidated by Cole hammer at all. They've been around that. He's an old guy that's been around. So you don't get that advantage there. Um, same thing with Preston Summerhaze. When you got a kid that plays at Silverleaf and he go, plays matches against Finau and ROM, I don't think he's going to be intimidated by Pearson Cootie. Um, I think he probably had the advantage in the, in the uh, Parker Cootie James Leo match, but you get these last two matches, Mason and, and Vic against Pooge and Sisk. Those are arguably their two strongest players. And I think they yeah. had the advantage in those two, so that was my take on it. What was your take on it,
0: Jason Anderson? I mean, they put him first, and he's the perfect guy to lead them off, you know, because right. he was he was kind of like their kind of their leader, really, almost yeah, this hundred you know, percent. This and 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 he's and then we were like, well, we got to put somebody, somebody, we got to put somebody tough out there, and so we put Cole out there, thinking, you know, okay, we'll put Cole out there, and so yeah, tough match, but Cole hammer, you know, his, his experience in match play and, you know, we felt like we felt like that. He, I mean, put Cole hammer against anybody exactly. anytime and, it, and and we're going to feel decent about it. And then the cooties and yeah. And that last match. Oh my gosh. David Pooge is such a, is such a great match play. He's such a tough match play competitor. Um, he's got a great mind for match play. His short game is just crazy. He's, he was so good out of the rough out there. Um, just tough to beat. And for Mason to take him into extra holes was huge for our team.
1: I, I'm glad you brought that up because that was something that I know you and I talked about before we we started this episode. Yeah. I thought one and you walked with Mason Gnome in that final match against Pooge. I thought As things were coming down to the end, Parker took care of James Liou relatively quickly. Mason uh, Anderson took care of Cole quickly, so you have a push there. And Pearson beats Preston on seventeen, and you have Mason right there against Pooj. And that last hole, the eighteenth hole, I want to go over that really quickly. But I thought that was such an important part of that win in the ultimate in in the finals because Mason took Pooj off the eighteenth hole and to the nineteenth <laughs> hole and took yeah. the and took the home crowd energy with it and got it away from the eighteen and kind of cleared things up for Vic against Sis. So that eighteenth hole, that and that putty made an eighteen, that has that has to go down as one of the all time highlights of this of, of that championship.
0: Oh, and you could tell, you know, it was just a it was just a par save putt, but man, it meant so much as far as just providing just some strength and some hope to, to, you know, to the, to, to Travis bit back there. And then we're going up 10 and, um, and, and by the way, Mason has, Mason was a big, big, huge part of the success of this team. Oh,
1: 100%. I mean, you know, the deciding match in the quarters. I mean, that's what, it's so funny how this works out where everyone's like, Oh, cooties hammer cooties hammer Mason gnome. I mean, you could make an argument. This never happens without Mason No
0: Oh, absolutely right. And he has been. He's he's getting better and better. He's getting more confident all the time. He's very coachable. He's he's become a leader yeah. in many little ways. He's in the he's in a you know he's in the Macomb School of Business at Texas. He's just an all around. He's just doing great. We couldn't be happier. And but no, it, it it's it's just like you know we're going to we're going to number ten. And and Vic's coming up 18, and we're kind of like, What? We're keeping our eye, <laughs> oh, <Yo>, yeah, <laughs> and we're trying not to. It's like, it's like, Let's just take care of the task at hand here. Let's let's us let's let's win this thing. Let's you and I win this thing, Mason. You and I are going to win this thing. We're going to win it for Texas right here. You know, I we can't worry about <laughs> anything else, right now. yeah, and so, um. You know, and, and for Travis to Travis to do what he did was just exceptional. You know, making a par, hitting a fairway, hitting a green, two putting. I mean it's, it it's in, in in that situation to to step up there and do that is 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 exceptional.
1: Well, and and talk about adrenaline. I mean, that eighteenth hole is a par five. It plays as a par four for the guys and Vic hits a three-wood off the tee, and I'm not even sure how far that thing went, but uh, he didn't have much in 18. That had to have been just the... God, I can't even fathom hitting three-wood and then having a short iron in your hand.
0: Right. Well, you know, we were out there in the desert, and and, um, sometimes those tee shots were, you know, especially on 18, the ball was getting down there a little further than you you thought. Fairways Mm -hmm. were getting a little drier and, and... and three would happen to be a good, a really smart play by Travis. So
1: The only unfortunate thing of that about winning the national championship for you and I guess for Mason is that you were all the way on the 10th green and were not in the immediate scrum <laughs> and celebration. Of course, you know, it, it, you, you probably would have – I mean, it was a lot safer for you guys back there. <laughs> but we all know what happened when when everyone saw the finality of it. Travis lags up, it's, it's a concession, then all hell breaks loose um what about tell tell the story about you and mason though because you're on the 10th green someone tells you or you see it or you hear it you know what is your your immediate uh, yeah reaction? yeah we're
0: up there and we're probably about to lose the the hole because right. i mean nobody had putted yet and poos just had a two putt two putt to to win his match and before he putted we kind of heard this little outbreak down right. there kind of a you know and there's like a l- delayed sound effect with the distance you know and sure. then you, you see like people running and then you start to hear this kind of celebration and i'm looking i'm thinking are those people wearing burn orange or are they wearing maroon and right. i couldn't tell right and i'm like yeah i think that's that's a texas crowd that's that's texas crowd and but in that moment, you you know, you don't know. we still got a match going on here. and He hit the putt, and then our official kind of told us, and their coaches knew, and they congratulated us right there. And, you know, we shook Pooja's hand and told him what a match he played, and congratulations, and you all did great, and gave Mason a big hug right there and told him he was a national champion for life. And he said, you are too you know, and, and that, I mean, it's just the best feeling in the world. And so they gave us a ride down halfway and I just said, Mason, let's, let's just run on, let's just walk over there and just run down the fairway. And it was like just a kind of a run to the finish line yeah. and into our, into our teammates. So nothing better than that. I mean, nothing better than that winning a national championship when, when everything that you guys are doing all year long through recruiting and qualifying and, Everything we do as a team is, is all really in hopes of winning a championship and then it actually happens. And it's like, wow, amazing.
1: I'm sure you're still kind of coming down from this high. I mean, and then of course, after you win the, the car wash and the insanity of, you know, TV and interviews and, and, you know, live on golf channel and then. I remember just watching you guys like, all right, guys, we have these more interviews. Then we have to try and get the hell out of here and catch a flight. And, you know, Cause you got, you got the plane waiting for you to take you back to Austin. Um, and, and I, and I'm sure there's a lot of stories and a lot of things that stay within the team, but did you kind of get a sense um, in those moments? And of course they lit the tower and you have your photo shoots on campus and all the things. And then, everyone kind of goes their separate ways because, you know, you got guys playing professionally now that are getting ready for for their, uh, you know, tour starts, you know, Cole and Pearson and Parker, you know, they all take advantage of PJ Tour U, you know, Mason and, and Vic, they're going to be playing, um, you know, summer amateur stuff. They're coming back. But in those moments, did you kind of get a sense of maybe who felt the most relief you're on the plane or are they just partying and having way too much fun? But I mean, at, at some point, I mean, even Coach Fields had you just—it had to have washed over him, and just like a sense of relaxation.
0: I, I it, it's amazing. It's like across the board. I mean, and I, I could just imagine Pearson's face right now, like just almost disbelief.
1: Well, you said to me, like I in, during the kind of the the celebration on the 18th the green. I, I mean, we we caught up with each other for like two seconds, and I and you were like, I still can't
0: believe this. No, no, you just can't. You can't. I and I don't know why, because some because you.
1: Oh, you got the you horses, know, but, but you're still like, really?
0: You're you're still like it just just, just a, it's just incredible. You know, as much as good as you are as a team, it it just feels so good because it's so hard to win. It is so hard to win a national championship in college golf. And and when you actually do it, you know, it's it is a funny feeling. It's just it's the best feeling in the world it's so satisfying. It's so gratifying. It's so validating. Um, but, um, it's like, wow, that's incredible. Like, how did that even happen? Um, and it, you know, maybe everybody's different, but I just think everybody, you know, I saw, I saw three or four of the guys off yesterday, actually all of them, you know, and, and you, they're, they're just, they're all just smiling. They're, they're just glowing. Like yeah. they can't believe it. You know, it's like, the year, the year is over and they're hitting, they're hitting the road this summer for, you know, whatever reason, three guys are turning pro and Travis and Mason are, are heading home and, you know, they'll have busy summers. And then it's just, uh, it's just a feeling I think that's going to just going to be with these guys for the rest of their lives.
1: The other thing that I took away from it too is not just with your guys, but you know, with, with Oklahoma's guys. I mean, I was, I was walking down the 10th fairway after um Arizona state beat uh, Oklahoma and got her up and McAllister were devastated because it was the yeah. end of their college career. And they were, I mean, that was a point where, I mean, I'm, I know this guy's very well. I wasn't coming going up to them to talk to them because they were, they were they needed a private moment. They were just devastated. Yeah. And then seeing the joy out of your guys and for everyone that talks about PJ Tour you and and uh, you know what they're going to do as pros and are they going to turn pro early and do they really even care about college golf is it just a, a just something they do to get them ready to turn pro these guys in the moment are either they're completely overjoyed with what they've done or they're absolutely crushed that their college career is over college golf means a lot and you, if you don't see that at the national championship you're not paying attention
0: you're you're playing for your you're playing for your college golf legacy you know and you're yeah. playing for history out there yeah more than anything you're playing for history and and you if you're a champion you're a champion for life and and you'll be able to you'll be able to have that memory i mean the guys that, the guys that we run into from the 71 and 72 team are still referred to you know as national ch- as a, being part of that team you know guys like Brent Buckman and George Machock and uh, George Tucker and and um, you know Con- you know obviously Kite and, and Crenshaw and um, these these guys from those teams they're still they're still living that that dr- that magic from 1971 and 1972. I finished second my senior year. We finished second at Texas, and it drove me nuts for probably 15 or 20 years. Wow the difference between finishing first and second is just indescribably massive. <laughs> it, it shouldn't be but yeah it just is. I mean I feel like if you finish second then you know might as well just finish fifth or seventh. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way you you kind of think about it in, in the end because you're that close you're that close to making some history and being a part of something historic in golf.
1: Well, and, like, perfect example is Dylan Fratelli. I mean, I know he's had a su- successful professional career, but I can't tell you what tournaments he's won, and and I'm sure you can because you coached him, but I, I can't tell you that. But the thing I remember about Dylan Fratelli, unless he does something massive in a major, is I just remember the putt at Riviera. <laughs> yeah. I remember the celebration, yeah. and this is nothing against him. I'm just telling you so. that that is his legacy in my eyes right now.
0: Yeah, amazing, amazing the way people think about college golf now. Um, but you know, and, but and but winning as a team is so much more fun. Anyway, oh, yeah. you know, you you're a part of a team, and then you, <laughs> it's like you're sharing. It's just so much better when you share something special, yeah. and you can share a victory with a team. Even even just sharing a good season, just the celebration of you know what that was a good season. Yeah, but but then to cap it off with that. Like,
1: wow. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of teams that had great seasons, none better than you. I want to get you out of here. You've been very generous with your time. Um, what uh, What does this summer look like for you? Uh, vacation? A lot of sitting by the pool, drinking Mai Tais? Or is that just – that's not going to happen. What are you doing this summer? <laughs> I'm going I'm to see you somewhere, I'm sure. I'm sure Western, USM. You're not you're – not, you're going to Maui. What are you doing? Talk to me. We're going
0: to – you know, Coach Fields and I – We're, we're, it's going to be, you know, we'll enjoy this moment for for a a few days and, but it's going to be back to business as usual. Um, we're going to do a a couple camp, couple sessions of camp, June 13th to the 20th. Um, you know, and then we'll, we'll be, we'll doing, we'll be doing some recruiting. We'll be doing a lot of prepping for next year. Um, and before you know it, I mean, heck, first day of class is August 22nd. We'll be, we'll be, you know, we'll be right back, right back into it. But it's, I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to get away a little bit this summer. Hoping to, maybe, maybe get down to a coast somewhere. Love it for a couple days, <laughs> and just unwind and I don't know. Get, you know, I, I like to get away from the game whenever I can. I like to. I like to fish and do a little quail hunting and cook and spend time with family and friends and read. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to get away from the game from, from, from time to time. So it's, it's not easy for me. It's not hard for me to to do that. It's not hard for me to, to get away.
1: I would say that you've deserved it, sir. Um, I mean, gosh, what a, what an emotionally draining and taxing year. But uh, yeah, you're uh, you're you're a national you're a two time national champion now, and um, I'm sure I'll see you somewhere this summer, and then obviously in the fall things will get going again. But congrats again! Thank you for walking me and and the, the listeners through it, and uh, glad you're able to be here uh, for the final episode of the college season here at the back of the range.
0: Been a pleasure, Ben. I listen to your podcast. I I, I really I love it. I like I like seeing you out there and you get you're, you're doing you're doing some great work and it's fun fun to be here with you.
1: And there you have it. Special thanks to John Paul Abair for joining me on this final episode of the College Golf season here at the back of the range. Again, congrats to the University of Texas for winning the men's championship. They'll be tough again next year. Make sure you're following on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Every single episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. And we'll see you next time here at the back of the range.